Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the f- are you talking about you insane hollywood ass so to recap we're cutting the price of mint unlimited from 30 dollars a month to just 15 dollars a month give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch 45 dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees promote for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com quality sleep is essential for boosting energy recovery and well-being so take your sleep to the next level with sleep number with a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. On this week's show, we are bringing you something a little bit different. Instead of a guest coming on for advice, this week I am asking advice from one of my favorite advice givers, Heather Heverleski. Heather is the voice behind the popular advice column Ask Polly. She's the author of four books, including How to Be a Person in the World and Foreverland, on the divine tedium of marriage. And today we're going to talk a little bit about what it means to give advice and what she thinks about quitting. We have now made more than 20 episodes of Should I Quit? And we are noticing that I so rarely actually tell people to quit, an ethic that I hold very dear to my heart. And so I'm turning to Heather to help me figure out what it means to be an advice giver with a lot of really strong ideas, who then meets people and is like, oh no, you're doing great. (laughs) So that is what you will hear today. I'm Vanessa Zoltan, and this is Should I Quit? Hi, Heather. Hi, Vanessa. How are you? I'm doing great, thank you. How are you doing this fine morning? I'm doing well. It's extremely green and extremely temperate and nice and kind of chilly outside, which is refreshing coming from, I moved from LA about two years ago. So now I'm in North Carolina and it's, the seasons are just a pure delight. Oh, I'm so happy for you because I am here in Boston and I deeply resent that it is still cold here, but I'm really happy for you. For our listeners who don't know, can you tell us a little bit about Ask Polly? What is it? When did you start it? And why did you feel this call, (laughs) this draw to become Ask Polly? So I started writing advice sort of I mean, I've all, I've been writing professionally since I was like 25 at the dawn of the internet. And I had a little weird advice column for the first webzine I wrote for. And then I sort of on and off would return to kind of more aggressive, tough love, random, funny advice. 
And then there was a period of time in like 2012 where I wanted a weekly deadline. So I approached the all and I said, I should write an advice column for you guys. It'll be funny and you don't have to pay me that much. So anyway, I started writing it and it was supposed to just be aggressive, obnoxiousness. And I very quickly got really into it. And the all readers were a part of that. They were just really smart, strange readers who immediately sent me amazing long letters about very intricate, interesting problems. And I would just hold forth and write, you know, 4,000 word responses about what they should do. And somehow it turned into something strange, which was sort of a rambling diatribe with a lot of swearing that ended with a kind of like crying, (laughs) emotional appeal to standing up for yourself in a world that tends to deny a person's individuality and their unique desires. So that was 2012 and I've been doing it ever since. New York Magazine picked it up in 2014, I think. And then I moved to Substack in 2021. And I love doing, I love giving advice. You know, I have a dream job. I started this show in part because I found that when I wanted to give my friends unsolicited advice, the unsolicited advice that I was often giving them was quit. That sounds like it's making you unhappy. Stop. Just stop doing that. Is there a piece of advice that you find that you give over and over again? In the beginning, I gave the advice, dump your stupid boyfriend over and over (laughs) Yeah. Which is a quit is a piece of quit advice. Yeah. It's just quit. Yeah. And now I think my advice is more and it is repetitive for sure. But I think it's a repeating theme that pretty much everyone alive needs to hear, which is slow down and pay attention to what you enjoy and find a way to support enjoyment and pleasure in your life. So not just like seek joy everywhere or be your best self or live your best life or become the best human you can possibly be, but instead be your ragged ass bullshit self and accept this wretched bullshit world as it is, but attune yourself to the things that you love and attune yourself to the parts of you that are possibly sleeping that are sort of these core, interesting, weird, lively, dynamic pieces that make you who you are. Slow down and pay attention to how many parts of yourself you've quieted and shamed out of existence and find ways to reawaken those parts of yourself. So it's become more existential. I mean, the column started as an existential column, Mm -hmm. but I used to be more concrete. Dump your boyfriend, you know, quit your job. If it's making you miserable, why not move to Spain? And now I'm sort of like, pay attention to your internal state. Your entire life is not going to change if you move to Paris, if you're still not giving yourself what you need to feel good. Yeah. Do you have a thesis on quitting? Do you have a 
okay, it is time to quit your job when it is time to walk away from a situation when. I mean, there should be an easy rule for quitting, right? I mean, I think that some advice columnists would say, trust your gut. And when you feel like this is wrong for me, if a voice keeps saying this is wrong, then get out. Personally, my head likes to say that things are wrong constantly, (laughs) even when they're right. So, I mean, it's funny. I think I went through a phase of trust your gut writing, but it's almost like the more open to all the voices in my head and all the ways I feel I've become, the more I have to slow down and actually notice what's acting on me and the more I have to give myself time to process reality, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I guess I land in a place of like, if you want to quit something, slow down and pay attention to the effect that thing has on you, the effect that it has on your body, the effect it has on your mind, the way you interact with it, but also notice what you project onto the thing and make the thing, right? It's hard to trust your gut if you don't have a very clear understanding of how much of your life is just projection and confusion and bewilderment and experiencing other people and other things as enemies when they're not. Yeah. I started the podcast because I was like, I can't freaking wait to tell everyone to quit. I just, I want to tell everyone to quit everything. And then like people are smart. And so they came on with like really nuanced, hard questions. And for the first like 10 episodes, I didn't tell anyone to quit anything. And I was just like, yeah, that's a really hard decision. I understand why you're in that predicament. I guess you should just think about it more. And I was like, what the hell am I doing? I was just having this argument with like a false enemy. Yeah. And the funniest thing is we have this monthly Patreon perk where Ariana, our producer, interviews me about something I want to quit. And I say the same things I yell at other people for saying. I've really found that a lot of people have this purity mindset that if I can't quit it entirely, why try to reduce it? If I can't totally change everything about myself, why bother? And I'm just like, what's wrong with you? (laughs) Like, what is this purity? This is supremacy, bad. And then I say the same things when it's about me. This is just like toxic nonsense that we stew in. Yes, exactly. Yes, yes, yes. And part of it is that that purity thing is like, I won't be the person who can quit that until I'm also the person who does this and that and this and that. And it's sort of like, I mean, for an example from my own life, I never gave songwriting the space and time that it deserved because... It was like, well, I can't play guitar that well. So first, everything started with kind of a punishing schedule. Like, first, I've got to learn to play guitar as well as any of the greats. And then I have to learn, and then I blah, blah, blah. And so just this past year, I've been like, "Uh, you know, actually, the thing that really holds me back the most is I never took voice lessons. I always wanted to, and I I don't know how to use my voice. So I'll just take a voice lesson and- I take it over zoom and it's pathetic. Like I, you know, I, my voice is improved, but it's, I feel like an idiot. And part of the, part of what purity is, is it's an attempt to not feel like a fucking idiot because you're just doing one. you, because you're not a singer, you're not a rock star. 
You're just sitting in your fucking house on Zoom with some dude who's telling you to loosen your face when you're saying, you know, like just making you go over and over again. I mean, you, you, it's the reality of actually making changes. It, it includes still being your stupid ass self. You know what I mean? And p- what people really yeah. want when they tell you they can't do anything is they want to be a different person. They want to be this idealized yeah. version and they, they want to ha- be faultless. And so in some ways, what you're saying, when you say, tell people to quit, what you're really saying is like, experiment with letting people down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Experiment with letting yourself down is part of it. It's just a fact of life that when you're living in reality, you're going to disappoint people and you're going to disappoint yourself. Because living in reality is like trying new things, making mistakes, taking pride in your weird quirks in a way that no one else around you necessarily supports. The more that you're sort of dealing with the concrete realities around you, and you're in touch with them and you're deriving pleasure from them in spite of all the hardship involved in living in reality, the more you will notice that you can't actually be a cheerful person every morning and you can't actually be a pleasant person just because you're married to someone or just because you have a kid or just because you have a house guest. It's only possible to be a joy to other people, honestly, in a real way that they can connect with when you are a person who's firmly grounded in reality. I mean, so many people you meet are forcing the world into this pure state, into this better state, and like trying to make everyone around them sound like them and be like them and do it more like this. And a lot of the problems that people write to me about are just like, either about dealing with people like that or about being a person like that. (laughs) And, you know, being a person who is living in reality is being a flawed person who's disappointing to the rest of the world and disappointing to themselves. Yeah. I also think that the phrase, I'm sorry I disappointed you, is an actual apology, right? I feel like there's this purity apology mindset now that you have to be sorry for your behavior, rather than sorry for the impact, right? Mm -hmm. I'm sorry that you're sad is like not a real apology. And I'm like, no, but I am sorry that you're sad. At least sometimes, obviously there are times where I mess up and I really apologize for my behavior. But I know that there are people who I just like, I disappoint because I'm being myself and myself loves alone time. And Really, there's so many people who if I had a 48-hour day, I would want to be friends with, but I'm not taking applications for new friends right now. And like that is disappointing to some people some of the time. And I'm like, well, I am sorry that there's finite time and I'm sorry that it hurts your feelings, but I'm not sorry that I'm someone who really, really values sitting on the couch and watching TV. Like I value it. Yeah. Yeah. And like, that's just who I am. I'm someone who values the Mindy Project, everyone. Yeah. Yeah. That's a deep, deep core value of yours. The Mindy Project. It is. (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, I think that I'm sorry doesn't even belong in the senses you're talking about. Like, I'm sorry you I've disappointed you. I'm sorry you feel sad that I can't hang out. I just think there's no I'm sorry. It's like 
you feel sad that I can't hang out because I want to watch the Mindy Project. You want me to be the kind of friend that you want. But what I want is to be a person who's watching the fucking Mindy Project because that's one of my churches and I, that's where I where I am. And, you know, I know what it takes for me to feel generous and positive and good in the world. Right. And it takes a lot of like couch. For me, it takes a lot of couch to be a good person. Mm -hmm. You actually wouldn't want to be my friend if I didn't get my Mindy Project couch time. Definitely. Personally, I think that there's an era of your life where everybody wants an apology. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I remember navigating that, the shoals of all the apologies and how people just want you to be what they want you to be. They want you to not be avoidant. They want you to not be anxious. They want you to not be anxious avoidant. They want you to, you know, not make the sounds you make. Don't quadruple text. Don't plan so much. Don't plan so little. Everybody wants something different. I mean, if you only cut the world into people who must make a solid plan and people who hate to be nailed down into solid plans, it's just such a giant divide. And people are constantly disappointed in the other kind of person. But there really are two kinds of people. Now I'm just like, oh, that's a non-planner. Like, I know that. That's a person who's not, not only doesn't want to hear me plan, but they're like, ew, like you make, put too many words into planning. I hate that. And they're just destined to like back up away from me. Like, I don't like too much planning, but I get it now. It's like, it's not personal. Yeah. I think that, you know, even an obsession with quitting, it's kind of like the, I'm sorry, right? Like you're obsessed with a forceful action away from the things you don't want because you don't yet give yourself full permission to want what you want. Because once you just want what you want and do what you want to do, you don't even think of it in terms of like, I won't do that. I'm forever done with that. Like you don't have to make announcements to anyone. You don't have to even exert boundaries. You just are matter of factly who you are. Yeah. I love this. I have a story that I was 18 and this blew my mind. I was dating this guy and this other couple really want, they wanted us to go out with them. So we agreed to go out with them and they were like two hours late and it was more expensive than it was going to be. And they were like, but still come out. And I was like, no, we can't. It's too late now. And I just kept coming up with excuses and they kept coming up with arguments back for the excuses. And I looked at my boyfriend, like, help me. And he went, we can't because we don't want to. And there was just no argument with that. And it, I was like, are we just allowed to say that we don't want things? Like, I had no idea. And it was the sexiest, best thing I'd ever heard in my life. And I looked at my friend, Sarah, and I was like, yeah, we don't want to. And got in the car with my boyfriend. I was just like, that was amazing. And I still haven't learned that lesson. It was half a lifetime ago, more than half my lifetime ago. And I'm still like, right, you're allowed to tell someone I don't want to. And that's it. Yeah, God. You know, here I am saying, I, I just walk around manifesting boundaries. And I'm like, have I, do I say that? Do I ever just say I don't want to? It's great. I mean, the thing is, most of my favorite friends now are people who walk around telling people exactly what they think. Yeah. I mean, the, one of the benefits of being who you are out in the open is you're more attracted to people who are exactly who they are out in the open in a way that you're, that, you know, people like that actually make you recoil when you're not standing up for your own needs. 
Yeah. People like that trample all over you potentially without noticing if you're not someone who just says what you want. Yeah. So you avoid that or you tell yourself a story that that's, you know, there's something wrong with them because they ask for what they want directly. (laughs) You know what I mean? Which I'm sure, again, it's like you just, you disappoint people when you're, when you're empowered. It's not like you don't hear things in the culture and hear things that people say and think that's too selfish. That's too weird. Like you can't, it's not that people don't take these things and run with them forever. But if you're at peace with yourself and you and you're mindful and understand who you are, you shouldn't worry about it being becoming toxic. See, this is the thing. We have this fear that like if you just stand up for yourself, you're going to become this awful, toxic someone who can rationalize anything and be just a garbage person everywhere. But that hasn't been my experience with people who stand up for themselves and are grounded in reality or my experience in my own life. No. Or my experience of my dog, who's so good at advocating for herself and her needs, and yet is never monstrous. She's just like, rub my belly. And I'm like, I can't. And she's like, fine, you suck, and leaves the room. And I'm like, you know, that was a healthy conversation we just had. Good work. That's so funny. I used the example of this mother dog telling her puppies that she couldn't uh, nurse anymore. And today is Polly, and it's very similar. It's like, you've got 20 puppies crawling all over you. And then all of a sudden you're just like, and they're like, oh shit. You know, you don't issue a press release. (laughs) There's been a change of policy and I apologize for the ramifications here. (laughs) Just one growl. Heather, everything I have consumed of yours is like brilliant and wonderful. I've read two of your four books. I subscribe to Ask Polly and I just want to encourage everybody to follow you wherever you go. Thank you so much. It's ask-polly.com now. I have my own URL. And I have to say that I've loved everything I've consumed of yours too, which is limited to the past hour of my life, but I've fucking loved it. And I'm going to consume more. No, don't consume more. What if the percentage goes down? (laughs) That's okay. You know what? You're going to disappoint people as we've established. I disappoint people all the time. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me on, though. It was really, really a pleasure. You've been listening to Should I Quit, our latest season of The Real Question. Our show is funded through Patreon at patreon.com slash realquestionpod. If you're a regular listener, we would really appreciate your support. Another way that you can support our show is by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you are listening. If you leave us a new review and then you email us that you left us a new review, I will shout you out in the credits. So take a screenshot and email us at realquestion at notsorryproductions.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook at realquestionpod and Twitter at therealqpod. We love to shout out our BFF tier patrons, Molly Reilly, Kristen Hall, Mary Margaret, Becky Boo, Jenny Cruz, Amanda Schramm, Effie Hugh, Shannon Xian, and Renee Underhill. We are Not Sorry Production. Our executive producer is Ariana Nettleman. Our music is by Nick Bull, and we are distributed by Acast. Thanks so much to Heather Haverleski for joining us today. If you do not already subscribe to her Substack, Ask Polly, go subscribe. It's just a little bit of regular wisdom in your inbox. Thanks, as always, to our wonderful team, author of The One, Julia Argy, Nikki Zoltan, Lara Glass, AJ Uramas, Hannah Rehack, Margaret H. Wilson, Courtney Brown, Casper Turkyle, and Stephanie Paulsell. Hold up. 
Hi listeners, this is Naomi Westwater. You may know me from my previous classes at Not Sorry. I'm dropping into your feed today to let you know about an upcoming course I'm running starting March 17th called Creating Daily Ritual, Tarot as a Sacred Practice. In this course, I will teach you about the history and meaning of the cards in the Rider-Waite-Smith tarot deck and model how they can be used as a tool for self-reflection and creativity. Through lecture, discussion with your classmates, and solo journaling, I will aim to help you develop your individual connection with tarot, this ancient tool for meaning-making. If you're looking to elevate your daily ritual, please join me starting Sunday evening, March 17th, for six weeks of habit-building, learning, and community. Head to notsorryworks.com for more information, and be sure to check out our sliding scale pricing and scholarships listed on the website. That's notsorryworks.com.